Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Let's get into this episode. So... I don't know if you guys do yoga. You guys that listen know that I do yoga. And if you saw me do yoga, you'd probably laugh because I'm like the most miserable human while doing yoga. But like you don't go to yoga to be miserable. So I go to yoga because I like the way ultimately it makes me feel. It's good exercise. I think it's really good to stretch. I think the heat is good for me. Um, I also think that it's supposed to be like calming, relaxing, like this sanctuary. But what I've come to notice is I'm miserable during, but pretty not so much before. Before I'm kind of like I just like drag myself out of bed and I go. But during I'm pretty miserable, and I'm judging myself and I'm critiquing myself and I'm in my head like almost the whole time. And then after, if the yoga teacher's like, "How was it?" and they're all excited and telling you about all the things, and uh, I'm usually like, "Ugh, it was it was great. It was so great." I like loved it, but I'm like, I know that it was great because I know that I'm going to feel better, but in the process of it, I'm like suffering and I am either like comparing myself to the people next to me or I'm like judging what's wrong with me as I look in the mirror or I'm thinking about how tired I am or I'm like, oh, it's too hot in this room. I should just lie down. Oh, and then I'll be like, well, if I'm lying down, this is just self-love. I'm just like, it's this constant illusion in my own brain. And I'm bringing this up because I think we're going to talk about this a little, uh, about these kind of, these games we play and this this life we live in our head. Um, but also about, because I think if you, often, if you find me in a yoga room, I kind of am like the rebel of the yoga room. I don't necessarily look like everyone else in the room. Sometimes I'm the only man in the room. Um, and today we're gonna we're really gonna get into uh, really it's about like carving your own path and being a rebel and creating your own journey and going away from what kind of society wants us to do and the typical ways that we do it. So that being said, and we'll get back into a little bit of this yoga so it makes more sense. Uh, my guest today, and I guess the best way to put this is: Have you ever met a certified badass that has the credentials to prove it? Well, I have, and she happens to be my cousin, um, but she's l literally a badass, and she has all the letters. So she is, I'm going to say all these letters, and you're not going to know what they mean, but she's a PCC. She's an ACCC. She has an MA in English Lit, which is a master's. She is a published author. She has a blog called All the Things, which is at BrittanyCotton.com. She trains and mentors coaches at Accomplishment Coaching. She's worked with executives at Live Nation, Facebook, Lyft, and Microsoft, and never got me a discount or a deal on any of those things, for that matter. She's also working on her first book. 
Uh, I didn't tell you what PCC or ACCC mean, but it's Professional Certified Coach and Accomplishment Coaching Certified Coach. Welcome, Brittany Cotton, to the Dream Mason Podcast. What's up? Hi. What's going on? You look funny. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, you look great. It's like this podcast is ruined. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say about all the letters, about all the yoga? You do yoga with me a lot. I do do yoga with you a lot. It's very fun to watch you miserable laying on the floor. Well, you hit me up like a what, like two weeks ago when you basically said you have the exact same experience that I described. Yeah, it was the first time ever I had been in a yoga experience class where I couldn't stand the feeling of my body and the way that it looked in the mirror. And Every I was day just for me. begging for the class to be over. Do I keep going? Do I just sit down? Do I lay down? Should I close my eyes? If I close my eyes, I'm going to fall on my face and then I'm going to look worse. Yeah. The demons were on fire that day. I feel like I wonder, like, is everybody in the, like, is everyone in the yoga room going through this? Or are there some people that are, like, in whatever pose and in their mind is just like, um. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about this when you were talking that, to me, yoga is kind of a mirror in, into the human condition. Like it's an access to all parts of human. We come to relax, to ground ourselves, to transform whatever is going on outside, to actually just stop it and pause. And then we lay there and all of our shit starts coming up, either because the lighting's weird in the um, room, the instructor has it too hot or too cold, so then you're pissed off and then you're thinking, should I say something? Should I not say something? Is everyone going to judge me if I say something? What if other people are thinking this? And it basically is this hilarious space where we're all supposed to go and be transformed and yet we're there inside with all of our shit in our head it's sweating out <laughs> like come the middle of the class a lot of there there's a lot of less shit but what are we really doing <laughs> i also get almost like i feel like i get almost all my best ideas when i'm in yoga and i think there is a point where and I don't know that I know that it happens, but there's a moment where it does, like all kind of all the shit kind of is out, where all the complaining, all the suffering, all the justification, suddenly it's kind of like your brain runs out of that conversation. And then all of a sudden, like magic will show up. I get ideas for my book. I get ideas for videos I want to make. I get things that I'm like, oh my God, I want to say this to a client. And I didn't know that I wanted to say it. It just like showed up out of nowhere. I wish the whole class could be like I wish I had to bring a notepad to yoga because there was so much gold coming out of it um but I think what you just said actually I did a yoga class the other day and the teacher made this point that however you are in here is how you are in the world and so if I look at that for me it seems like I'm suffering the whole time I wonder how much if we actually put a timer and I had to like click a button every time I'm suffering or miserable or judging myself versus when I'm not in the class I wonder what it would actually balance out if we had to look because it feels like it's the whole time. But if I look at my life, often it feels like that too, but that's not actually true. I can, because of where I am now, I can get really clear. Like my life is phenomenal and great. And the moments of struggle, suffering, bitterness, unhappiness are like these moments in between that just seem like they're more because they're harder than the fun stuff. 
I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I was recently talking to a woman who um, was at a crossroads and I was inviting her to choose something different to get out of how it had been going for her. And she was like, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. This part is uncomfortable, so I actually, I'm not going to do it. And I've been thinking about our relationship with discomfort and suffering. And yeah, I totally get it. We don't like it. It's not as fun or uplifting as feeling positive or laughing or whatever it is. But what is available to us if we actually shift our relationship with discomfort or suffering? Is that a question you're asking me? Yeah, just thinking about it. I mean, well, I mean, I'm with you. Like everything that we want is available through it, right? Like I don't think... There's people that love working out, whether it be yoga, the gym, running 50 miles, 100 miles. But even if you love running 100 miles, it's still hard. There's still that person still has to get through something. I don't think there's anyone out there that's doing some difficult physical, let's just use because that's what I'm talking about, physical training, who's like, whoa, that was easy. Like I just breezed through that 100 mile run. They might love the experience and struggle through part of the journey to get to the other side. And I think that it's like if we could fall in love with that, if I could, f- if we could fall in love with the success of our business came on the opposite side of all the challenges we faced, that you have the great body you have because of all the time you spent in the gym or eating a healthy meal instead of the easy choice, which could have been like fast food or pizza or whatever, um, or even relationships. If you avoid all the difficult conversations and you avoid like talking about things that actually bother you and upsetting, then my guess is you'd have a really surface level relationship that would be like really not exciting at all. Yeah, I think about it in terms of we've created a story or narrative that hard is hard, but what if hard gets to be something else? Like we can still relate to it as hard. Like you said, the 100 miles, there's going to be that point. He's going to have to push himself or it's going to be hard. Hamstrings are going to burn, whatever it is. Nipples bleed. Nipples bleed. <laughs> My nipples have never <laughs> bled, but okay. Also, this guy's never run a day in his life, but sure. Um, <laughs> but it seems like we've been taught that hard is hard. What else could hard be such that we can ex- still experience it as hard, but we don't have to relate to it as uncomfortable or suffering or this thing that we have to get over I feel like I'm being uh, quizzed or coached on my own podcast um, no but these are great questions I want to can we pause for a second here because I feel like we jumped into this conversation without a lot of like where are we going and what are we doing because we spun off from my little yoga experience and rant um, we can come we can even come back to this in a minute. I want to look at really quick so people know a little bit more about you and like why we're talking about this. Um, let's just take a step back because I think when we when I talked about rebels and you know and and that's what being a dream mason all is all about, you you were like a rebel inside of a system that wasn't like it was like your rebel was like tampered down. Like you being who you really could be in the world was not like fully unleashed. And it's not bad. You were like doing great things, right? You had a master's. You were, I want you to say more about, you were about to go into a PhD program. You were paying your own bills. You were saving money. You're like 
in shape and, and have friends living in San Francisco. And then you actually chose to kind of put all that down and take a completely different direction. We speak to this. Yeah. So in 2015 or 2016, I had finished my master's program and was applying to PhD programs. And there was something about academia that I always felt like a fraud. I had a 4.0, got A's on my thesis, on my papers, they were getting published. But I was before I would sit down to write a paper or do something new, there would be this moment where I would think, okay, this is the time I'm going to get found out. This is the time they're going to be like, oh, sorry, actually, we're taking away your acceptance to this university. Just kidding. And the PhD applications were driving that up like nothing I'd ever experienced before because you're sitting there not facing people, facing a pen and paper, having to prove that you versus thousands of other people are better at this, deserve this, are something more special than somebody else. And I realized that I was there because I had gone through so much school and I was good at it and it made sense, but I never actually felt like I was being fully me or that I could have the full impact that I wanted. So I'm sitting there with all these applications thinking, holy shit, I've spent 20 or 50 plus thousand dollars and I don't know if I even want to fill out these applications, but it seems like I have to. So I guess I should because I know I'm good at this. And that's when you came into the picture and we started having conversations about what my plan was for my life. And I realized that, um, one, I was playing small, but also I was trying to fit into a system that I didn't fit into. Like it actually didn't hold what I wanted to be in the planet or what I was capable of. And I got pissed off. Spent $50,000 to be a part of a system to find out, fuck this system? Well, that's shitty. <laughs> I feel this. I feel like the exact same way about my undergraduate degree. Like, what a waste of, like, probably $100,000. I know I learned stuff. I know I, like, learned how to learn. But, like, I could have done that in so many ways and then invested that money in a million other things or helped people. Like, I mean. Yeah. And I wouldn't give anything back to, like, I love the process that it took to get me to where I am today. Um but what I realize is that every, no, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people are living inside of a checkbox or checklist lifestyle. So when I started my coaching company after going through a coach training program, that's what I built it around. It's called Be Radical because it's all about living outside of society, society's checkboxes. Yeah, and I think it's, it's something that we could say here too is like when, when you said I came into your life, I didn't, I wasn't like, hey, come be a coach. I wasn't thinking like I'm over here trying to recruit coaches. Like I don't care what people do for a living. Um, but when you say, I think there's something that like that I saw in the sense of when I think back, right, this is in hindsight. I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. Like I have this cousin who's like a, a very like unique and cool and witty and smart and creative person. And they're just like in school. Like they're in there now, like what, mid to late 20s, and they're not actually out there creating anything. They're just in school. And I think that uh, subconsciously, because I don't think I knew at the time, but it was like, I want you to create something. It didn't matter what it was, right? A book, a, like your own school, like anything. And that sometimes school feels like a place where people hide, mm -hmm. especially as they keep going, look, if you want to be a doctor, you're not hiding. You have to. But you weren't like there wasn't like this thing that you were something that you were going to get to. It was kind of like this path, like this just endless. That's how I felt. Right. Yeah. 
Well, it, like what was interesting about it was there was this thing that I was trying to get to, which was like a tenure professor at a oh, four-year Oh, but you would tell me that it was impossible. Yeah, because that's what we were hearing in school. But then there'd be teachers and professors like, but keep going, you know, keep going. But oh, by the way, when you get there, this probably won't be a thing that even exists anymore and you won't be able to find a job like I did. Yeah, I, okay, I remember that. Because I remember being like hearing, and I do, and I still, I think we both do this. When we hear people tell us they want something and then really quickly after they have a justification, a reason, or a, a fa- quote unquote fact that of why it's not possible, where we are now, it's like, it like makes, it, it, I have like goosebumps. Like, because you're just like, no, like it is, anything is possible. It's, are you willing to do what it would take to make it possible? So, you didn't even say fully, like, you left all of it. You just, like, put it down. Yeah, so I was a research assistant, a teacher's assistant, applying applying to PhD programs, and instead I applied for a leadership and coach training program. So what about, we were talking about the thoughts of yoga before and, like, the hard, like, there's something hard about what you did, um, right? now. It's not different than physical hard. And there's fear and thoughts and whatnot. Like, where was your, there's a lot of people that want to leave what they're doing, regardless of what it is, and pursue something else. And you didn't even know what else you were pursuing. You were like, I'm just going to jump into see if this thing can open up something else for me. Um, what was that? Like, what was the conversation? I don't even know the answer to this. What was like? Um, I think it was I know everything that's here, and I don't know everything that's out there. But there's got to be something bigger and better than what's here. So I absolutely could have stayed, worked my ass off, got to, you know, I got into a program. I deferred it. So I could have gone with that path, Um, which is hilarious that I say that now because I think I still turned in a few applications because I was a little nervous. Right. And I deferred because I was like, maybe if this doesn't work out, I will come back to this. But um it was the freedom of not having to be inside of somebody else's system trying to fit myself in. And I feel like that's been a battle my entire life. Um, I mean, you were there when I was a kid, but my parents were total liberators in terms of I got to wear whatever I wanted and do whatever I wanted and not like literally do whatever. We had rules, I swear. Um, But like they're hippies in a way, like former hippies and very like open to like expressing yourself. Yeah. So in preschool, I would wear, you know, jeans and then two of my Halloween costumes on a regular day with like five ponytails in my hair. And in writing the book I'm writing right now, I've been calling my mom a lot, you know, kind of having her push or remind me of things about my childhood. And one of the things that I always remember so deeply is and it's visceral, was being in preschool and no one would talk to me. And I felt literally my body ached when I would have to be put in a group situation. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know how to speak to to people. And I remember this feeling as a kid like this is so uncomfortable. And I have this memory of going outside in the preschool yard and the teacher was trying to make me go play some game with everybody. And she kept trying to push me and push me and push me such that I was just standing on the edge of the field so it would look like I was doing something. But what I was really doing was there was a sandbox next to me and I was picking up the sand and throwing it in the air, pretending it was food, feeding the birds, because I was fine with the birds. But if you made me talk to all those other little idiots on the field, like I had no interest. And I think that like that moment of finally deciding I wasn't going to try to fit myself into somebody else's field 
or academic system or whatever it was, like it was enough. I was done. And then what was the thing that there still was, was there fear? Was there doubt? Was there in the, cause you, I mean, you literally did a like 180 and a lot of people won't. So what separates the person like you that does or me that quits their job? Like there's a great job that they have. And it's like, I'm going to try this thing. I have no experience. I have no money. I'm just going to try something completely new. I want to say that I was present to that, that I was like so brave and courageous because, I mean, that sounds pretty cool, right? But I don't remember feeling any of that. I think that I had played it so safe that I actually could make mistakes. So the system gave me a little bit of cushion because I had played it safe my whole life trying to fit in such that I had a savings. Like I actually knew I, I had that defer, right? I could go back to it. Um, but what it really was was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I'm supposed to be, but I know taking a step in this direction is the path to that. As long as I'm on that path, it doesn't matter how long it takes, but I can't fill out one more application explaining why I deserve something when I don't even think I want it. So what do we say to the people that show up or that are listening or that you encounter in your practice or the leaders that you train that are like, well, you don't, you don't understand, right? Because you don't, you're not a single mom, or you're not a, um, uh, you know, two working parents who both work two jobs, or you don't have parents to support you, or I don't have any savings, or the only thing I've ever known is engineering, and I'm miserable. Like, what do that they don't have the like? Well, I don't. I do have to be brave. Yeah, I love this question for two reasons. One is. Because I was in academia for so long, I never had an office job. So when I walk into Lyft or I have clients that are in high, you know, level executive positions at big companies, the first question is, well, why should I trust you? The second is, none of you can see me, but I'm in my 30s and I look like I'm not a day over 18. So automatically there's, what do you know, right? And I'm actually not supposed to know. That doesn't actually serve me to know exactly the ins and outs of what you're going through because then I would be in it with you and I wouldn't be able to see outside of it. And that's, I think, what had me take that leap was I would had a moment where I saw outside of my crap and that there was actually a different option. And I think that's one of the things that makes us all one is that it doesn't matter if you're a single mom, what your job is, what your struggle is is that until you see outside of it, you will be stuck inside of it. And you have all the opportunity to see outside of it. And that's what's powerful about being human. We actually don't have to sit inside of one thought process or one way of thinking. We have access to thousands. And that's what, you know, that's what coaching is all about, is actually just giving people access to any other way to think about something. What's the thing? I'm actually just going to say the thing. Because I think I feel like I know what it is, but I could be wrong. So I feel like in what's the biggest challenge that you're dealing with when it comes to like getting this book done and writing? Um, my I feel like that's one of your biggest mm -hmm. like obstacles or challenges. Yeah. And it's like we anyone that reads your writing knows you're a great writer, which I actually think adds to the challenge because there's like this expectation or pressure. Um, and you have like all sorts of people around you like writing stuff and, and mm -hmm. so what's like, how does, what are you dealing with and challenged by there? So this is so great because I was just talking to um, my coach about this. Just to give you an idea, the book is about getting over, like quit believing the shit you make up. And the 
hardest thing I'm facing is that as I'm writing, it's freaking agonizing because there's so much crap in my head. So here I am writing, supporting people and not believing the shit that they make up. And as I sit down to write, I'm so in my head and that I sit there laughing because the irony is a little too much, but also the humanity of it makes me want to keep going because if I can keep going and get past it, that's the whole point of the book. And the other thing is taking myself out of it, right? Like if I'm so focused on what people are thinking about me or what sentence this sounds like, like that's the thing that's the hardest for me is I'll write a sentence and I'll think of one specific person I've met on my path and be like, <laughs> oh, that bitch would, she would judge me for this. Got to change it. Yeah. That's funny. I was thinking about, I was just writing my dedication page for my book. And now when this episode airs, the book will likely be out already. So if you have the book and you're looking at the dedication page, you can think about this, is I thought about what people will think about what I wrote about them. Like, is it good enough? Are they going to feel appreciated enough? Should I write about this person? But what will this person think about whether I wrote about this person? And it was a really, it was a lot of, like, I had a, a, a one of our friends and colleagues say to me, like, it's your dedication page. Like, right, like, this is the one part of the book that's truly, like, your... That actually, like, it matters nothing. It's like you getting to thank people. Because um, I had this moment where I was like, do I get to thank my ex? Because, like, when it all started, like, that's where I was. That's where I was in my life. And, like, how do I, like, write something about her but also write something about my current relationship? And, like, if you know what? I started making up stuff in my head. And then it made it impossible to do what I wanted. Yeah, the what you're reminding me of is this qualm I have with personal development or any conversation about you know the way our minds work. So we stand, we are committed to helping people trust themselves, right? To actually trust that they can go out, take a leap, take a risk and that they will be able to, you know, be with whatever happens next. It's always trust, 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 trust. And we have so many voices in our head that we actually shouldn't be trusting, right? <laughs> so what are you supposed to do? Like, there's all these people out there, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. But there's which, that yeah, voice. Which voice do you trust? Yeah, there's all these voices in your head you should absolutely not listen to. Um, and that whole idea just for me is like, there is no one answer. There is no one tool. Like when people ask me, what should I do? What's the thing that's going to help me or what's going to be the next thing that's going to get me there? There is no one. We're all just dancing with what we've been giving. And you have to really find a balance between the voices you trust and the voices you don't. But if you trust all of them, you're going to be lying on the floor in yoga like Alex thinking that you look like a walrus. I don't look like a walrus. Um, yeah, because they – yeah, you can't – well – it's interesting, right? Because if we just use that as an analogy, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of the voices. Like I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of voices, right? A lot of different things. I and, I, and I talk about this a lot in my book, like I narrow it down to three to kind of put them into three just to give it some simplicity. Like I think there's the hater, there's the, sorry, the hater who's kind of like the judge, who's just judging, assessing all, it's all negative, all that kind of judgment assessment all the time. And then I think there's the wimp, which is kind of like the victim in all of us. And those two really play off each other. And then I think there's, I call like the cheerleader, 
and the cheerleader seems kind of positive. It's like, you can do it. But the cheerleader only is a you can do it inside of your comfort zone. When it's like you, when it's like a thing outside of your comfort zone, your cheerleader's like, but it's really great right here. So it, they're all keeping you frozen. And even the positive one is not actually in support of a bigger life or a bigger vision. And when you say me lying on my mat like walrus, I think about how I've tried to empower these voices where when it's, you know, we do yoga and it's over 100 degrees and we're, it's hot and we're, you know, we're moving a lot. And I have that voice that goes, you're going to throw up, you're going to pass out, you need a break. And I've actually tried to figure out where the moment is where I actually can honor my body and go, hey, you actually do need to breathe and relax and stop. And then the moment where those voices are like, just keep laying here. It's so good. Everyone else, like, and and even when I'm down on the mat, the judge is like, you know, everyone's looking at you. Everyone's looking at you. And you're like the suckiest person in this class. But then there's that moment where I actually say to myself, that's not those three voices. It's time to actually get up off the mat. It's time to actually get back into the class because what I'm committed to is the pushing myself further. So it's like the balance between trusting, respecting myself, giving myself the self-care I need and pushing myself yeah. forward. I love that you said that because I think that a lot of people are under the impression that they need to get rid of the fear or they need to get rid of those voices. But I think the most empowered humans are the ones who can hear all of it and still make a decision or do something, whatever it is that they want, if they do want to lie there, if they do want to get up. But Oftentimes people are like, well, I can't do it because I, in my brain I'm still afraid or in my brain it still says not to. No. Like you actually get to be with the fact that your brain says no or that you're scared and the opportunity for growth is that you do something anyways. Yeah. If we don't have those voices in our head. What do you do with those voices? Like what do you, how do you – tools, tips, practices, like what do you do to like, you know, not let those voices control you? I think the first thing is – recognize that they're not um what's the word they're not on our side always and that's okay but just actually like oh this voice right now okay it's like making me feel like shit but that's okay like actually just recognizing that it's just a voice and that there's nothing wrong with you that it's happening and that you don't have to tune into it it's gonna be there um no, I totally forgot the question because I probably had a voice come into my head. Well, that's a cool thing, right? Because we um, we do that too, right? Like while you're talking, you're listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening. As I'm talking to you right now, there's a voice talking to me. It's like the weirdest thing. So the question was, um, what do you do with the voices in your head? Right? Like how do you? I think it's just like they're not fact. They are not fact. And if they're not fact, you get to do with them whatever you want, right? Like, you know when a kid walks up to you and says the most outlandish, ridiculous stuff you've ever heard in your life? It's kind of like that. It's like believing. That's a good, really good way to look at it. It's like believing a little kid that's like... Yeah, which is perfect because that's where that voice was born, right? Yeah, it just grows. It sounds older as we grow up. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it knows more, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's really smart. It's really convincing. Um, it can. I think the cr the craziest thing about it is it can find any way to convince us of whatever 
will keep us where we are. Like it comes up with the most creative, brilliant, logical things that you could tell someone else that your friends, your family, they'll all be like, oh yeah, because their voice says the same stuff and they believe it too. Whereas it's only when you have somebody who doesn't give a shit about the voice, a mentor, a coach, uh, like a leader who has a really big commitment above whatever the nonsense is, um, that would actually push you to be like, who cares? Yeah, I'm trying to think of who represents like a spy or a great con man. I don't know if you can like think of a movie or a character, but that's what that voice is. I mean, like James Bond is like a great spy. Um, full disclosure, I've never seen one James Bond movie. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. So what about um, what about Austin Powers? <laughs> Like, no, <laughs> um, but wait. What do you mean? So, like a spy? How is a like, spy? I just mean like a con man, right? Like somebody who knows exactly how to con people. That's yeah. what your inner voice is. Oh, it's like your con man. Yeah, your inner like con think. Man. I mean, I haven't seen the movies, but I know who's in it. So, like Sean Connery is walking around in your head with a really nice tuxedo on and knows exactly what to say to you. And he's like, yeah, to get you to do something, or not do something, or feel bad about yourself. That like reminds me. So, in have you seen Mission Impossible movies? Yes. So the cool thing, right? Like, isn't it? It's always cool when they like they have like the things where they can put on the mask, right, of someone else, and they like change their voice and the biometric fingerprints and like all the things, where they like find ways to so cleverly manipulate whatever the thing that they want is. That's kind of what came into my mind is like, oh, my God, that voice in our head is literally like changing its fingerprint, putting mm -hmm. on a new mask, changing the voice, using Google to find every reason why, you know, like you got this great opportunity, but you're going to use Google to find every reason why it might not be a great opportunity. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious because people think that this means there's something wrong with them or like that they haven't figured out how to tune out those voices yet. But actually, like, let's take a second to acknowledge how brilliant we are as humans that we have this voice in our head that can turn something incredibly ridiculous into the most logical sound statement you've ever heard in your life that's going to make you do the thing. Like we're actually brilliant. Do those voices always serve us? No. But the fact that we know what to do at any given moment to make ourselves feel a certain way, like we're magicians. <laughs> well, and from science, it like it, – it it makes perfect sense and it, it's super, you can explain it really clearly because it's all about like keeping us safe from tigers and other tribes mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. Like there was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the dangers that were in this world were prevalent all the time. And so the voices in our head actually were doing a really good job to keep us alive. Um, there, Dr. Uh, Rick Hansen, who's like a, a, a neuroscientist, I think, psychologist, talks about how like back in the day, um, sticks were more important than carrots. And what he means by sticks, right, like sticks could hurt you and carrots were like the reward. Whereas if you were focused on the carrot, you would get eaten by the tiger because you'd just be like chasing this joy and be like running through a forest, not paying attention, and a tiger would grab you. Whereas you had to actually be on guard because what was available in the world that we live in was so dangerous. Now, if you lived in a world that was just like a freeway, like if you, if you were born and put on a freeway, that would be that world, right? You'd need to have those voices. But the world that you and me and anyone listening, I believe anyone listening to this podcast come from are typically not 
you probably don't have bullets whizzing by your head. You're probably pretty safe, like on a on a more regular basis. And the thoughts in your head are actually like an overcompensation of a dated reality. Yeah. And I mean, I fully believe that it's a dated in terms of, you know, past like the evolution of human man and thought. And like, think about when you're a kid and something happens that you can't understand and your brain comes to the rescue to make you understand it, but your brain doesn't have the full capacity of knowledge of the whole world, right? So there you are doing the thing you know to do to protect yourself, but then you've taught yourself to do this. And then you go through your whole life, probably going back to that same childhood voice of do that thing, that thing that's going to protect you, even if you don't need to. You just got me to think of something really cool. It's like if we if we make it a really simple thing. So like if as a little kid, if you like touch something hot and it burned you, mm-hmm. right? Your brain literally is like, don't touch anything hot again. Like, But imagine if you're, you, we actually applied that to everything. So now you walked around in life with gloves on, like kitchen mittens for everything in life because you were afraid everything would burn you because as a little kid, you didn't understand like only the stove was hot. That everything isn't like that. So now you're walking around in life with kitchen mittens. Well, what can't you do if you have kitchen mittens on? You can't type. You can't, like, hold someone's hand. You can't write. Like, you literally can't do all these things. And if you showed up and said, why do you have kitchen mittens on your hand? And I'm like, because I don't want to get burnt. Like, I'm terrified of getting burnt. But you're like, no, but there's you're, you're totally fine. Like, it's not. But from that reality, right, it would be terrifying to take off the kitchen mittens. <laughs> okay, so. And that's the importance of having conversations with other people, having a coach, having, you know, people that you're talking about how you think with, right? We actually have to be talking out loud about how we think to realize how ridiculous it is. Because if you were alone walking the planet with your oven mitts on all the time, like whatever, you wouldn't know. But until you actually talk to somebody else, do you get that? And it makes me think about all the stuff we've been doing since we were kids that are kind of ridiculous that like until we actually go out and talk to the world with people about, they don't know. Which reminds me, PSA, humanitarian issue, was just having a conversation with my boyfriend and he told me he doesn't use butt wipes. Like that since he was a kid. Neanderthal. I know. Since he was a kid, he has only just been using regular toilet paper. So I have two points to this. One. Talk to people about the things you do to see if they're weird or serving you or disempowering you. Two, clean butts for all. Everyone should be using butt wipes. So I have a, uh, you know how I feel about this. I have a very strong, um, and I've never discussed this before on the podcast, but I have a very strong opinion on this. Um, If you were walking your dog and uh, your dog pooped on the ground and you went with the bag to pick up the poop, and you happened accidentally, there's a rip in the bag, for God's sakes, but there's a rip in the bag and you got some poop on your hand. Would in any universe you just take a piece of paper and wipe the poop off and then go about the rest of your day and like, I'm good, my hand's clean, I can eat off it now, I'm gonna brush my teeth, I'm gonna rub my eyes with this hand? Absolutely not. You would get soap, you could get water, you would like wash it off your hand and that's how you know your hand would be clean. And so to your point, if you're just using paper, you're just, you're just not going 100%. You're just shortcutting your cleanliness. Yeah. I mean, earlier in the, this conversation, I said there is no one thing. There is no one tool you can use to change your life. I'm taking it back. <laughs> Number one tool to use to change your life is butt wipes. <laughs> 
Oh my God. That was amazing. Um, yeah, I would, I would have, I mean, like, it's like, where do we start? If people, when people listen to podcasts, they're like, Oh, where we got so much from this. Where do we start? You're like, you start at target or Amazon <laughs> and order a package and change your life. Yeah. With that said, aside from, uh, changing the world through changing your, um, bathroom habits, uh, bathroom cleanliness routine. And there's somebody that's like, dude, bath wipes are like so 2017. I have a bidet. And we're like, oh, we're just not that good enough yet. Um, we will be providing our address <laughs> so you can send us one. Where do, why would people want to reach out to you and how would they do it if they wanted to? So how they would do it is I'm on Instagram. It's Brittany with two under dashes, cotton. Um, way too many pictures of my dog, but I promise no pictures of me using butt wipes. And uh, my website, beradicalcoaching.com. Why you would want to do that. Um, I support people to ensure that their thinking is conducive to the future that they want. You, like we said earlier, you can't always trust what's going on inside of your head. And I, you know, work with people to ensure that what's going on in their brains is actually getting them what they want because too much of what's in your brain is getting you the exact opposite of what you want. Nice. Um, thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. uh, when you write your book... And only when you write your book, we'll have you back. I actually want to talk about love and relationships with you. So maybe we'll do that another time because you did something crazy <laughs> that I think is would be awesome to share. But we don't have time for that today. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for making this happen. Um, I know this wasn't necessarily the easiest thing for you to get you on here because I've been trying to get you on here for a while. But thanks for being on here. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your bathroom habits, if not anything, for putting your boyfriend on blast. I'm really curious. Luckily, he's a really good dancer at Floss so he's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, but thanks for the vulnerability, the love, the play, the brilliance, and all the things you brought today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always fun to talk butts with you. <laughs> thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.